0: Before we partake in God's word, let's ask for a blessing. Lord, as we open your word, and as we hear it read, Lord, and as we hear it spoken, we come before your throne and ask you to open our hearts, open our eyes, our ears, and our minds, Lord, that we may take this in and go from this place and live it. We pray this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Genesis chapter 12. If you care to follow along in your pew Bible, page 17. Genesis chapter 12. We'll be reading the first nine verses. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moray at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills, east of Bethel, and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out, and continued toward the Negev." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: In many ways, we've been hearing the sermon all through this service. It has showed up in the songs. It has been in the water. Of baptism, it was in Magda and Kira's testimonies of standing up and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's been in our prayers. A God who works and acts in this world to choose a people for himself and, and to draw them to himself through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, and, and then empowers them with the Spirit and sends them out. God's choosing. There's something powerful in this text, and we talk about this particular text as being a, a formative text, one of those key transition moments in Scripture, and, and here's why it is one of those moments. God, up until this point, the first 11 and a half chapters of Genesis, is God working on, the, on kind of the global scale, working through all the earth. And then suddenly, after the Tower of Babel, God narrows down and he picks one family line. And in that family line, he moves through generations to the point of coming to the person of Abram. And God says, Abram, I want you to join me in what I'm doing. And we're going to notice just three things about the text this morning that that usher us into God's choosing of Abram and in some sense God's choosing of a people, God's choosing of a church to be his people here and now. The first thing is the disruptiveness that happens in Abram's life. God God calls Abram while Abram's living in a land, in a city. He's settled. He has people and property. He has uh, family around him. He's got a brother there. His dad's been in that place and died in that city. He is in a place that feels like home. And God says to him, Abram, leave your country, leave your your ethnic group, leave your father's household. And go to the place I'm going to tell you about. And Abram was 75 years old. Now, how many of you are 75 or older? Do you want your life to be disrupted? Just imagine for a moment at this point in life that God says to you, pick up your bags and go. I want you to move somewhere else. I've got something in store for you. I have a plan for you. And I need you to pick up those things that have given you security and comfort and a sense of identity and belonging. And I need you to let go of them. I mean, most of us spend our lives trying to develop a sense of comfort for ourselves. We like living in Canada because it it has benefits for us. It provides protection and security for us. It provides for us financially to be in this country We like our ethnic groups. Many of us, regardless of which ethnic group we come from, we like our heritage. It even goes so far within the Dutch community, which I've kind of grown out of back there a few generations. It's not just about being Dutch. It's whether or not you're Frisian too, right? Right? I mean, we, we want to know the particular area, and I've been at conversations where people are talking about, based on a little fraction of their name, which part of the Netherlands they grew up in. And I've seen other ethnic groups do that as well. Which country in Latin America you grew up in, you can tell by the accent and the different emphasis you put on certain words. You can tell different parts of the continent of Africa that people have come from by the way they speak their language. Our language, our customs, our cultural context give us a sense of identity, a people to belong to. We cling to those things. We work hard for those things. We feel anxiety when those things are taken away from us. And God says to Abram, Abram, it's time to give it all up. (laughs) It's time to be disruptable. I know that's not actually a word for you grammarians, but it's time to live that way, to be a disruptable person, to allow all those things that have given you a sense of identity and importance to let them go and have your identity, your comfort, your security, your belonging be rooted in my call on you. Trust me. How hard is that? That's the invitation at the start of God's choosing. It is actually a a calling to open our hands and to let go. We've sometimes done this in prayer here, occasionally, not very often. We start our prayer with a, a closed fist, and then we open our hands during the prayer as we move through the prayer, and then we turn them over, and we've let things go. And the basic part of God calling us begins there. There are actually some baptismal litanies that that are out there in the Anglican church especially where they talk about as they're making the baptismal vows, I renounce the ways of the world. I renounce the ways of Satan. I renounce my sin. There's a renouncing, a letting go. Our litany, if we dig through the historical tradition, talks about being buried with Christ, going down into the water and dying. Abram, hearing God's call, had to die. To die to all those pieces of identity and comfort and security and safety that he had clung to, that had made him rich and wealthy and bring him to a place where he trusted in God to lead him to a place he didn't know. The second thing, God says to Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. If you leave this land and your father's household and the place that you've clung to and you cling to me and follow me, I will bless you and you will become a blessing to the nations. Abram, an insignificant person. In many ways, he is as ordinary as you get, and in that culture, he was in many ways seen as being insignificant because he had no children. He was 75 years old, and you hear the story of Abram unfold later on in Genesis, and he says, God, I don't even have have a real descendant, an heir to pass on my belongings to. How are you going to make a nation out of me? How are you going to do anything with me, God? Because I've got no one to carry it on after I die. My life ends with me. And God says, no. This is what I am going to do. I think so often when we hear God's call on us and we hear God calling us and and calling our lives to be disrupted, we think, now what do I have to do? How am I going to make this happen? How do I fix things? How do I put everything together? How do I accomplish God's work? But if you read this text and listen to the cadence of this text, and I'm going to encourage you, when you get home, read it again sometime today. Those first few verses out of Genesis. Genesis. And notice that God calls Abram in order that God might do something through Abram. He isn't calling Abram to go and do great things on his own. He's calling Abram and saying, Abram, I have something I want to do through you. I am going to bless the nations through you. I am going to do something that you can't imagine. And God doesn't even tell him the scope of what he's going to do. He just says, trust me. If you follow me, I will bless the nations through you. And what God's doing through this particular person of Abraham, Abram and this particular journey of Abram's, of J- Abram learning to let go and to trust God, God has intention to work through that to bless the nations. Now for those of us who have read the biblical story and the biblical narrative, we know how that unfolds. It unfolds through Abraham's children, Isaac, and then Jacob, his grandchild. And then through Jacob and and the generations, it leads to the point of Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, who, who God gives as a gift to the world. And God blesses all the nations of the world through Jesus Christ's life and death and resurrection and his promised return and all nations are blessed through that. But Abram doesn't see any of that. He doesn't see the end of the story. He only knows that God has called him, and God says, I am choosing to do something through you, Abram, and my calling on you, my election of you, from all the people I could have chosen, my election of you is to bless others. For us as a church, God's called us. God's actually gathered us from all sorts of places. I came from the States and ended up here. Some of you came from Liberia and ended up here. Some of you came from El Salvador and ended up here. Some of you came from different parts of the Netherlands or Europe and ended up here. Some of you came from down the road and ended up here. But somehow God has gathered us together and chosen to make us a people here on the corner of Charlton and Hesse. And it's not so that we might do great things. It's so that God might do great things through us in this place at this time. We're called like Abraham to say, okay, Lord, (laughs) I don't fully know what you're going to do. I don't fully know how you're going to transform this city. I don't know how you're going to renew this city in this world. I don't know what you're going to do, God, but I trust that you are actually active in this world, that you are actively desiring to bless this place, and that you are choosing to call us together and gather us together as part of what you're doing. We're called into a posture of trusting. It's part of why we're able to sit here and and baptize little Madeline, who's helpless, completely dependent on on you and Danielle. Like, Madeline can't do anything without them. And in the same way, we can't do anything without God. We can't interact with the world and engage with the world world in a way that brings life to the world unless God is at work among us. God calls us to empty ourselves of everything that we think has resource and benefit and gives us identity and security and comfort and to trust him, to trust that he is at work, not just in little Madeline, but in each of us and in all of us together. And the third thing from this text, the third thing that catches us, Abraham doesn't go off and do a great thing. (laughs) Like his very next thing after getting all of this blessing, this incredible, interruptive, disruptive word from God and this promise of, of blessing that the whole world's going to be blessed through him. And you know what Abram does? He keeps walking through the land. He goes about the ordinary business of finding a place to live trying to find a place to settle down. And and along the way, as he's walking through the land of Canaan, going, okay, I'm trying to follow you. Where are you leading me, Lord? God appears to him again and speaks to him again. And and so he makes an altar, a a space where he says, I saw God here. And, And then he goes along a little ways again, and you hear him making another altar to God because God showed up again. And in these ways, God continues to reveal himself And opens Abram's eyes to the ways God is at present in the ordinary bits and moments of Abram's life. No spectacular, nothing great that Abram's doing. He's just going through the land, looking for a place to live, going about his daily business of getting up and eating and caring for his family and his sheep and goats and cattle and all the other things. It's an ordinary calling. It's a calling to be ourselves right in the midst of wherever God has us. We don't have to go across the end of the earth, although God may call some of us to do that, and even at 75 years old, God may call some of us to pack up and go to the other side of the world. Make no mistake. But for most of us, God calls us simply to be His people in this place. A people who are who are learning again and again to let go of those places of worldly identity and comfort and security and to open our hands to receive God's blessing. And as we receive God's blessing, to be a people who walk through the land, giving that blessing out to others. I'm going to give us something visual to help us uh, remember this idea that, that God has called us to bless us in order that we might be a blessing as we go through our daily lives. At the start of the service, you saw me raise my hands, and I gave a greeting, and a few of you put your hands open. There's a posture that goes with that, and I'm going to invite us to do that, and we'll do it again at the end of the service, that when God gives his greeting, it's symbolic, as a minister does it, it's symbolic of God's blessing coming on us and us receiving that. And the very first thing we do after we receive that greeting from God, we turn to our neighbor and we pass it along. And so I'm going to say that greeting again to you. Grace and peace from God our Father, Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to say it. I'm going to ask us to stand while I say it. And once we've, I'm going to ask us all to put our hands out so we're receiving it. And then we're going to take it and we're going to pour it into the person next to us, okay? Okay. And if you see somebody sitting by themselves in a row, Mr. Dykema, you need to find a different row to go pass the blessing on to, all right? Okay? So I'm giving you permission to walk around the sanctuary, all right? All right, so please stand. Put your hands in front of you. You are receiving a blessing from God, a God who desires to bless you, grace to you, And peace from God our Father, from Jesus Christ our Lord, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. As God has poured that blessing into you, I invite you to take that blessing and pour it onto somebody else around you. Go. Amen. Amen. Now, for some of us, you can be seated. For some of us, this might feel a little hokey. might even feel weird that we stood up during a sermon. That's okay. I'm going to encourage you to be playful with this. All right? So when you get home, surprise somebody else in your house. Just walk up to them and say, I'm pouring God's blessing on you, and then walk away. Okay? It's going to be weird. It's going to feel funny. But it's meant to help us remember. To remember and believe that indeed we have been chosen by God to be a people who are blessing others all the time. In our kitchens, in our homes, in the grocery stores, as we're filling up gas at the gas station. Wherever we are, we are called to be a people who give God's blessings away that the whole world might experience God's goodness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your lavish love in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the way that you have continued to pour your blessings out, not only on Abram so many centuries ago, but through your people throughout time that you have blessed us again and again. We thank you especially for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for the Holy Spirit through whom we can gather here and call upon your name today. Bless us, Lord, that in being a blessed people, we might be a blessing to the world around us. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.